0: So good to see you all here today. As we get ready for the word of God today, we're going to go to Second Kings verse five. Second Kings verse five. Beginning at verse one, the word of God says, "The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories." But though Naaman was mighty, though he was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, the Aramean raiders have invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him, and I will send a letter of instruction for you to take the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. When the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. And we'll continue this story as we go into this passage this morning. The title of today's message is, So Help Me God. The Power to Change. And the reasons we don't. The power to change. And the reasons we don't. By a show of hands, how many of you can point at least one area in your life you need to see some change? In? All right, that's everyone. By another show of hand, with that other hand, show me if there's one person in your life you wish would change. All right. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for this word. it it be a blessing to our lives. For many here or listening online are seeking change in their life. We need your help, God. We know that we have the power to change through you. But help us to understand why we don't. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat. This is going to be a tough one to preach. How many of you? Say, Pastor, I need a good word today, but this one is gonna hurt Pastor, I need good work, all right I need this one's hurt. gonna hurt it's gonna hurt, especially to all my men here tonight today it's gonna be it's gonna be good, so let's get started here as we get into this word of God. let me start off by telling you something that happened to me just recently, but every morning I try to go and and just walk for about an hour, <clears throat> and it's in this hour that I like to just talk to God and pray and think and really just think about messages I want to preach, etc. And for the past few weeks as I've been walking, I notice in the park where I go, there's a, an older man, probably in his 70s, that I see almost every morning. And I see him and he's on the park bench and he's hand in hand with his wife. And he's holding her and he's kissing her and he looks so happy. And every time I would see this man, I want to sit down with him and say, hey, what's your secret? Because clearly you're in your late 70s. You and your wife are still so romantically involved. I'm like, I really want to talk to him. I haven't yet. But every day I see this man, he just looks so happy. And I remember just walking one day as I was praying, like see him as usual. And I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I pray and I really ask you, Lord, that someday when I'm his age, I'll hold Jericho like that. That I would love Jericho like that. That that I just look at this man, Lord, and I really want to be him when I'm older. And then one day as I'm walking back home, I see the man. And he's coming out of his house. He lives just a few houses down from me. And I see him kiss his wife. But it's a different woman. And I realized this man that I almost idolized. This man that I looked up to. This man that I actually prayed, Lord, help me to be like him. Had another woman that was never his wife in the park. No wonder he was holding her so tight. Because his wife was back home. And she has no idea the secret that this man carries. And when I see this man now, I look at him with disgust. And I look at him and I say, man, almost with this judgmental spirit that I have to repent of. And I get angry because I said, how can you do this to your wife? And it's easy for us to judge him. And it's easy for us to say, man, this guy is terrible. But I wonder how many of us, like this man, we carry with us an ugly lie. How many of us just pretend to be someone we're not? You see, it's so easy for us to live a lie. It's so easy for us to live in deception because we live in a culture of deception. We have to somehow convince everyone that we're fine, we're okay, life is great, life is perfect. When someone asks you, how are you doing? You're supposed to say, I'm good. When they ask you, how's your family? Oh, they're great. But what if we would get real and honest with ourselves and other people? See, our culture is designed to always look perfect to always look like we're okay. But the truth is, the majority of people, even in church, are not. But there's a pressure to look the part because there's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of isolation. There's a fear that if people knew the ugly truth of my life, I'd be ashamed, Pastor. I'd be embarrassed, Pastor. So today, we choose to live with an ugly lie because we're convinced that if I tell people my ugly truth, they won't see me the same. Can you imagine if you were just honest, without fear? Can you imagine if someone said, say, hey, how are you? you say, I'm depressed. How's it going? Miserable. How's the family? Hate them. Can't stand there right now. How's the kids? Oh, the demons. I don't know. They don't talk to me. Can you imagine if you were honest in that way, people would look at you with shock. People would look at you and say, man, I can't believe this guy's dishonest. But the truth is, all of us, your pastor included, We all have issues. Can I get an amen? We all have problems. No one here is perfect. And that's how God likes it. Because if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. What a story we read. His name was Naaman. And like the man in the park, he was living a lie. The Bible says that everyone admired him. With reason, he was a mighty warrior with many victories. I imagine all these little boys would look at Naaman and say, I want to be as strong as Naaman one day. I want to be as good-looking at Naaman one day. I want to be as brave as Naaman one day. I imagine that everyone would look at Naaman and say, Man, I, I'm, I, Naaman's life is so amazing. Look at him. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's successful I imagine that all the women looked at Naaman's wife and said, Man, you're so lucky to be married to a man like that. Because Naaman was powerful. Naaman had a lot of victories under his belt. Naaman was rich. Did you notice that when he wanted to go see the prophet Elijah, the Bible said that he had 150 pounds of gold. 750 pounds of silver in that time, in that era, that was worth over $3.5 million. Can you imagine being so rich you would say, I would pay $3.5 million like nothing to be healed? He was rich. He was powerful. He was well connected because the servant girl says, If only my master would go talk to Elijah. You know what Naaman said like nothing? Well, let me just call the king up. Let me go talk to the king and, and we'll see if we can work something out. He was so connected with such high status, he could go to the king at any time and talk to him. Just imagine, church, if I had a problem and say, oh, let me just call my buddy King Charles for a minute and ask him for some advice. You would say, man, pastor, I didn't know you had it like that. But this is what Naaman did. Let me just go to the king and talk to him. So we see a man that's powerful. We see a man that's rich, well connected, influential, impressive, what a resume, victories left and right through battles. But the Bible says in verse 1, let me read that to you. The king of Aram had great admiration, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. What's that next word there? But. Though Naaman was mighty, impressive, powerful, loved, admired. He suffered from leprosy. And no one knew about it. Because if people found out, they would not admire him like they do. If people knew the truth, they'd reject him. He had leprosy. Leprosy was an infectious skin disease. That started off small. It started off with a blemish, but it would it would grow. It was easy to hide at first. It's just like sin. It's easy to hide for a while until it grows. It would go all over your body. Your bones would weaken and curl up, so actually when you had leprosy, your hands, would, your fingers would curl that you look like you had falls. Your limbs would begin to fall, your ears, your nose fell off. Your neurological systems will shut down. You could touch hot boiling water and not even feel it. It would damage your whole body. It was infectious. So when someone had leprosy... You had to reject them and isolate them away from the city. You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't look at them. If you had leprosy, no one would touch you. No one would speak to you. You were alone. It was not only a physical disease. It was a very emotional disease because through leprosy, you lost your job. You lost your family. You lost your children. You lost your hope because leprosy was incurable. In fact, the first case of leprosy was Miriam in the Bible, Moses' sister and in about 1450 B.C. The cure to leprosy was just found in 1981. Let's just think about that for a minute. The vaccine for leprosy was developed in 1981. So you do the math, that's 3,500 years this disease plagued people beyond cure. There was no hope when you had leprosy. That's my point. When you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. So Naaman knew that it started off small. But he hid it well underneath the armor. He went to battle. He had victories. Everyone would cheer him on. Naaman, we love you. Naaman, you're so victorious. Naaman, Naaman. But deep down inside, he would go like this and cover it. But Naaman knew that this was only a matter of time. till it would grow beyond control. Naaman knew that it was only a matter of time where he lost everything. He knew if I don't get this right, if I don't fix this, but there's no cure, it's only a matter of time till I lose my job, I lose my marriage, I lose my family and my reputation. It's only a matter of time that people are going to really find out the ugly truth. That all these people that look up to me, all these people that admire me, all these people that love me, they're going to know the truth that I've been living a lie. I'm sick, I'm dying, and I don't want anyone to know. And I wonder, do you feel like that sometimes? Naaman was a mighty warrior in the battlefield. But leprosy was a battle he couldn't win. No cure. And like Naaman, talking to you now, church, I can only wonder how many people on the outside admire you. You're impressive. Maybe you've come to church this morning or You're listening online. And you're fighting a battle you can't win. And it's a secret. Maybe you're losing this battle with yourself. It's so easy to hide depression. Just smile. It's so easy to hide addiction. It's so easy to hide sin. And it's a losing battle, maybe with your emotions. There's bitterness and unforgiveness you can't get over. It's a losing battle. Maybe it's not yourself, maybe it's a losing battle with your family. You might have a pretty house, but you have an ugly home. And behind those walls of the beautiful cut grass, and flowers and well-painted house and structure inside their home. There's strife and violence and abuse. Inside that home, there's fighting nonstop. There's a lack of love, a lack of spiritual growth. You'll be surprised how many people, how many homes, how many families, how many husbands and wives and children on the outside look great, but on the inside, they're torn apart. And it's a losing battle in your marriage. You're saying, well, pastor, I can't change him. I can't change her. There's no saving this marriage. Maybe it's a losing battle with your kids. No matter how much I taught them, no matter how well I raised them, no matter how much I paid for their education, they're still making these dumb choices. And it's a losing battle with my children. Or maybe it's a losing battle financially. No matter how much you try, you still get in debt. Or maybe you have a losing battle with God. No matter how many times you go to church and you try to read the scripture, it just feels like you just go back to your flesh, back to your sin, and you can't even remember the last time you truly felt the presence of God. Church, can I tell you what's worse? And what Naaman teaches me, what's worse than fighting a losing battle is fighting a losing battle and having to pretend everything is okay. And everything is fine. We're happy. You're fighting a losing battle with yourself. You just smile. Take pretty pictures with your filters on social media. Make it look like you have a life to be envied. But no one knows the loneliness that you feel. You have a losing battle with your family. But hey, the holidays are coming, so we're going to get those matching pajamas. We're going to get those matching sweaters. We're going to sit down at the table, and we're going to smile, and we're going to pretend we're happy, okay? Kids, let's just take this picture. And pretend mommy and daddy are fine and the kids are great and we all love each other. Let's just, let's just have that pressure in our lives. Financially, I'm broke. Financially, I'm in debt, but let me go ahead and buy these nice clothes I can't afford and drive this nice car I can't afford because I have to show people I can't afford it. But no one knows financially the debt that I'm in and how I'm drowning, but I have to, because I have to maintain a level of status that tells people I am worthy to be admired. You walked into church. Let me just raise my hands up, close my eyes during worship, sing how great is our God, and if people look at me at the right angle, I look like me and God are like this. But deep down inside, they don't know that I'm wondering what the dolphin score is. They don't know that I'm thinking about what's for lunch or what I have to do at work tomorrow. But look how spiritual I look. You see how easy it is to give a false perception of excellence. Like you're okay. Okay. And through the pain that Naaman was feeling, through the loneliness that his disease brought, through the hopelessness of an incurable sickness, church, I want to tell you this morning, you see the hand of God working. You see the providence of God. The providence of God is God being inspired full control, and working out everything on our behalf, even through the things. And I want to tell you this morning, Naaman shows us that you might be in a losing battle and struggling with things that no one knows about and living a lie, feeling hopeless. But God is still God. God still works. And we see the hand of God working here. The providence of God is found in Romans 8:28. We all know it, but it says and we know that God causes, notice that word, God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. The fact that the Bible says God causes it, all things, it means there are good things and bad things that God literally does on purpose. He does it on purpose and for a purpose. And Naaman couldn't see it now. But the leprosy that had him hopeless, the leprosy that had him afraid for his life, would be one of the greatest blessings of his life. That's why we tend to say God is good when things are good, but when, God is, when things are bad, where is God? Let me tell you, whether things are good or bad, God is always in control. God is everywhere. Because we serve a providential God that says, I work the good and the bad and the ugly and the scary. I work it all together for my purpose. Let me show you the hand of God in Naaman's life through bad circumstances. Verse 1 through 3. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his armies, because through him the Lord had given him great victories. We know this. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, the Arameans, sorry, raiders, have invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives, notice God's hand, among the captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to his mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Notice the hand of God here, church. One day Naaman and his men, his warriors, his bros, said, hey, let's go out and raid villages. And of all the villages they went to, they went to a village in Israel. And it was so common when you raided villages that you would take the women and children as prizes. And of all the women, of all the children in that village, of all the villages, God made it so that this one girl would end up in Naaman's house to serve his wife. Now when this was happening, this little servant girl couldn't understand why is God doing this to me? Why have I been taken away from my home, my family? Where is God in all of this? This isn't right, this isn't fair. Why am I going to serve the enemy? But this little girl did not realize that God was using her through a difficult trial. And she would point Naaman to God. See, sometimes God allows you to suffer so that through your suffering you will point others to Jesus. And that was the first blessing that Naaman didn't even realize. This servant girl was in his house because God ordained it that way. Because God has a way of allowing the right circumstances to bring the right people into your life, to get you to His purpose. But the Bible says one day, it wasn't a special day, it was an ordinary day. And one day, this servant girl happened to be talking to Naaman's wife. And in the context, let me tell you what's happening here. Because a servant could not just go to the boss and say, hey, can we talk? That would never happen. So we know in the context of culture, Naaman's wife went to her. Why? Well, because Naaman's wife is a woman of power as well. That's Naaman's wife. She's rich, she's powerful, she has status. She can't tell her girlfriends about what's going on at home for fear of rejection. She has to live her own secret life. So we have a desperate housewife. And says, I have no one to talk to. Because this teaches us the difference between men and women. Naaman has a big problem with like all men, what does he do? Not gonna talk about it, not gonna acknowledge it, just gonna go out and work. I'm just gonna go out there in the battlefield, fight my battles, come back home, and I don't wanna talk about it, I just wanna hide it. And that's how men are when they're in crisis. We don't like to share our feelings. We don't like to talk about it. We just want a distraction. So we're gonna go out, and we're gonna raid, and we're gonna go fight, and go to work, and work, and work, and come home, and rest, and watch football. I don't wanna talk about it. I don't wanna talk about it. Leave me alone. That was Naaman. But women, when they're going through a crisis, they want to talk. And I imagine that Naaman's wife—I mean, Naaman's wife—was at home one day in tears because her home is falling apart. She has a husband she can't change, a family that's being torn. And I feel like God was just pushing Naaman's wife. Go ahead, talk to her. And one day, as Naaman's servant was doing laundry and cleaning, Naaman's wife just went up and said, Hey, can we talk? Because I it's just us here. Can we talk? She says, Yeah, I guess. She says, Girl, I'm just tired of my man. I don't know how I'm going to change him. You see that Naaman that's out there that everyone loves? The truth is, he has leprosy. What? Naaman has leprosy? Oh, yeah. He hides it well, too. Underneath all those victories and everyone brags about him, yeah, that guy needs help. And I love my husband, but I don't know how to help him. I'm sorry to bother you, girl. I know you have to clean, but I just needed to vent. And then God whispers to this servant, girl, tell her about me. Because remember, Naaman's wife, she's a Gentile. She doesn't know God. Tell her about me. She says, ma'am, no, it's not my business. But there's a man in Samaria who's part of my village. And his name's Elijah, and he works for God. God, what, what God? Well, the one true God, Elohim. And I've seen this man heal. I've, I've heard this man, ma'am, this man brought a boy back from the dead. And if this man could bring a boy from back from the dead, and this man was fed by ravens, imagine what he can do to, to name it. If only your husband would talk to him. You see God's hand working? Of all the people, he brought this girl to her house so that someone would listen to her. Let me tell you something, ladies. If you're suffering today, God sees it. Naaman didn't see it. But through this leprosy, he was going to have an encounter with God. Through this disease, he was going to see that God was the one true God. The Bible says that Naaman had victories. But it was in verse 1, I believe, the Bible says that Naaman had victories through the Lord. The Lord had given him victories. Let me read that. It says the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his armies, because through him, the what? The Lord had given Aram great victories. Let me tell you something, church. The victories you have, you want to brag about. The abilities you have, the talent, everything you possess has been given to you by God. It is an anointing over your life. The reason that Naaman was so victorious, he thought it was because he was tall, dark, handsome, muscular, well trained in the arts. The only reason this man had victories is because God is a God of victory. And he says, I gave you that gift. I gave you that wealth. I gave you that power. I gave you that influence. Everything you have has been given by God. But here's a problem that Naaman has. He doesn't even know. It's not leprosy. It's pride. Because he didn't even give God the credit. And God said, yeah? Yeah? Oh, Naaman, let's see how great you are now when I give you leprosy. See, sometimes God will allow you to go through rock bottom to get you to acknowledge Him. So you sit here in your pride and your arrogance like you're something worth, you're valuable because look at my degree, look at my career, look at my job, look at my gift, look at my talent. But in everything you want people to look at, you have forgotten to look at God. But there's a God that says, I have a way to get you on your knees. And folks, I pray you would kill your pride before pride kills you. Can I keep preaching? Yeah. Naomi would hit rock bottom and through that he would see the Lord. Because that's the providence of God. God says, I allow bad things to happen until so you come running to me again. That's why when you see people at the bottom is when they're praying the most. It's when they're in the church. But Naaman did some things to find healing. Naaman's number one problem was pride. It wasn't leprosy. And the reason that so many people can't change is because of pride. See, you can win. Naaman shows us you can win a losing battle. Whatever your battle is today, you could win. But the reason that many people don't is because pride gets in the way. Pride says, you're greater than you are. It's a way that you look at yourself and you forget that everything you have belongs to God. So Naaman shows us why so many people can change. Let me list a few of them. But the first thing Naaman had to do was humble himself. James 4.10, it says this, Humble yourself. Church, say that with me. Humble yourself. It doesn't say humble your spouse, humble your neighbor, humble, no, listen, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. Some of you need to be lifted up this morning because you're at the bottom right now. And people say, I don't know how to change, Pastor. I don't know how to get my family back. I don't know how to do this. I can't get, I can't change, I can't listen. God says, when you humble yourself, I will lift you up. The Lord doesn't want you to stay down. He just gets you down to acknowledge that He's up. Humble yourself. What does that look like? It's when you come to a place where you recognize your sin and your need for God. Your need for the Lord to change your life. So what does humility look like? Number one, look at verse three and four. The Bible says, one day the girl said to his mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. What's interesting about this passage, church, is number one, the first thing Naaman did, man, you ready to hate me? He listened to his wife. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He listened to his wife. Because when that little conversation had happened with his wife and the slave girl, when Naaman came home from the battlefield saying, where's dinner? Daddy's hungry. And this and that. Whatever happens in my crazy mind. This woman said, honey, can we talk? Yeah, what is it, honey? Listen. Sit down. Okay. We need to talk. Shut the game off. Okay, what's what's going on? Honey, we can't continue this way. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Our secret. The leprosy. You go out, you go to work, everyone loves you, you're out there in the battlefield, but but honey, we can't continue this much longer because eventually it's going to come out and and you're going to die. Naaman could have said, I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. You think you're perfect? Mind your business, woman. But Naaman sat there and he said, you're right. But honey, I don't know what to do. Well, I, I was talking to our servant girl. The Israelite? Yes. And she talked about this man named Elijah who can, through God, heal. Heal. Why don't you do this? Why don't you try it? Naaman didn't argue. Naaman didn't criticize. Naaman didn't judge her. Naaman did not get angry. Naaman went to the king and said exactly what his wife said through the servant girl. Meaning, number one, humility listens. Men, listen to me. Your wife is not your enemy. When God looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for that man to be alone, so I would make him a suitable helper, a wife. God designed women and wives to be suitable helpers because men need help. I don't care how mighty you are, how great of a warrior you are, how strong you are, how much you can bench press. We need our wives. So listen. Humility listens. James four ten. The Bible says that name and went and listen. James one, James four ten. I'll read it. Guess we have a problem there. I'll quote it for the sake of time. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And that's exactly what Naaman did. He listened to his wife. Well, what if I don't have a wife? Well, listen to Proverbs 27.6. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Husbands, your wife is your best friend. And if you're single, you better find friends that are going to tell you the ugly truth instead of kissing you. God said, a sincere friend is going to tell you like it is. A real friend is not going to hide the truth. When you're wrong, you're wrong. A real friend is going to tell you, you have leprosy, you're going to die, you've got to fix this. The problem with our culture today is we don't want to listen because we think we know it all. James 1.19 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to what? Listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Amen? Listen to me, fellas. Listen to me, ladies. Everybody. Here's a list of priority. What does God prioritize first? Listening. Why about second? Why is listening above speaking? Because sometimes we just want to have the first word and the last. Sometimes we're opinionated. Namely, could have sat there and said, "Yeah, I'll proceed," but you have this. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I have leprosy, but at least I go out to battle. Or, you know, what about all our house? What about the money? What about the clothes you wear? Hey, you like that jewelry, right? Well, who do you think got you that? Be quick to listen. Naaman had to humble himself and listen. Do you listen? Or are you quick to just say the first thing? And have the last word. Listening will save your life. If Naaman did not listen, he would never have been healed. He would have died. Listening will save your family. It will save your life. Listen. Number two, he acknowledged. He went to the king and said, hey, can we talk? Sure, Naaman, what's going on? I have leprosy. What? It's true. I've been hiding it. I've been living a lie. And I notice that it's growing. It's getting worse. But I want to be honest. I have leprosy. He got real. He acknowledged. It takes great humility to recognize your failures. It takes great humility to recognize your weaknesses. It takes great humility not to just look at your victories, but look at where you're losing in life and talk about it. And he tells the king, I am not well. And we serve the king of kings that we can acknowledge our sin to and say, God, I'm not okay. Look at Psalm 32, verse 2 through 6. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit there is no what deceit. David said when I kept silence, when I was covering up the truth of my murder and my adultery and how bad my family was behind the scenes, that my son wanted to rape my daughter and my other son wanted to kill him, when I hid all of that and I pretended to be this amazing king that everyone looked up to, that everyone saw with the giant slayer, the warrior, the one that worshipped God when everyone looked at me and admired me. I kept silent. I couldn't talk about it. And David said, when I kept silent, when I hid it like Naaman, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I couldn't do it. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of the summer. Then I what? I acknowledge my sin to you, our king. Just like Naaman did to his king, we can go to our king and say, Lord, I've sinned. I acknowledge my sin to you and did not what? Cover up my iniquity. I said I'll confess my transgression to the Lord and and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Can we give God praise?" for See, God God says you can come to me and acknowledge like Naaman did. Now, Naaman didn't tell everyone, I'm not saying here now that you go on this, this confession tour and you go online and say, I did this when I was in first grade and I did this and stop. That's crazy. Naaman told the right people. He told his wife, the slave girl who was at home, and the king, and Elijah. The people that matter to him and the people that can help him. That's who you acknowledge. The people you hurt and care about you and the people that can help you. People like your pastors. You come to me and say, Pastor, I want to acknowledge something to you. I need help. People like your family. But don't cover it up. Naaman listened in humility. In humility, he acknowledged and done, did not excuse. Verse 19 and 13, it gets real. Man, you ready to hate me again? And all the women are like, give it to him, pastor, give it to him. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, his entourage, because remember, he's big. And he waited at the door of Elijah's house. He knocked, hey, Elijah, come out. I need your help. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him. He said, hey, I don't have time for this. Go out there. Go. And tell him to wash himself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of leprosy. But Naaman became what? Angry. And stalked away a mad. I thought he would have certainly come out to me. Me? Do you know who I am? I'm nay man. Nay the man is what they call me. I expected him to wave his hands over the leprosy and call out to the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers Of Damascus and Amanah and Paraphar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why should I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage, pride. There it is again. He had the humility to listen to his wife, he had the humility to acknowledge his problem, but here's what happened. Naaman knocks, the door's open, he's ready for Elijah to come out, the great prophet, the greatest prophet in the Bible. He's waiting for him to come out. He wants him to do some big show for his healing. Instead, he sends out a nobody, he sends out a servant, and he peeks out his head and says, Hey, Elijah said, go to the river seven times, you'll be healed. Okay, bye. And Naaman's like, That's it? Yeah, he just said, go out over there, Jordan River, seven times, up and down, seven times, seven, yeah. Do that, you'll be healed. Bye. And he got angry. He got angry. Can I tell you why people don't change? Because of the pride of anger. Why was he so angry? Well... He says it himself. I thought and I expected him to come out. Why do we get angry, church? Because people don't meet your expectations. They didn't do it the way I wanted. They didn't do it my way. They offended me because I expected this and instead they did that. So now I'm angry. That's pride. Notice what he said. Aren't the rivers over there better than the Jordan? You know what pride says? You know better than anyone else. Your way is better. And he didn't want to listen. He got mad because he thought this was the river he was going to be healed in. And Elijah was going to wave his hand. But when he did not get his way, he got. Angry. How many of you are like that or know someone like that? Raise your hands. Is that not the most draining person to be around? My way or I get mad and enraged. And he got angry. He got angry. And that's what's happening to so many people. Their anger is what's killing them. It has to be my way. Going back to James 1.19, look at verse 20 now. James 1.19-20. Understand this, brothers. You must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now listen, God doesn't say, don't get angry. He's saying anger is fine until it turns to sin. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Can I tell you the honest truth about anger? It will do nothing to fix and everything to destroy. No one, I've ever, as a pastor for many years, I've never met anyone that said, Pastor, I've got to tell you, ever since my, hu- my husband just blows up and gets in rage and angry and calls me name, our marriage is the best it's ever been. Ever since I've been angry and cursing out people and throwing things and breaking, I've got to tell you, I feel great. In fact, you feel worse after anger, after rage. And that's what happened to Naaman. He was angry which was okay. He got angry because, you know, I, I expected this, but, but it didn't happen. But what happened was he got enraged and walked out. And his anger almost killed him because he almost missed his healing. Until the servant came up to him and the Bible says, talk to him and say, hey, if he would have told you to do something simple, would you have done it? Well, oh, yeah. So how much simpler is it just to go to the Jordan River and do what he said? and the bible says Naaman reasoned see that's humility humility doesn't mean you don't get angry cuz people will not always meet your expectations amen people you love people you date people you're married to coworkers strangers people in the church will not always meet your level of expectations And that can get you to a place of anger. But when you're angry, the Bible says, do not sin. Sin becomes anger when it turns to rage. And in your rage, you hurt people, you say the wrong things, and you blind yourself to reasoning. But when you are humble enough to listen, you reason. When you reason, you think about and come up with a solution. People that reason are those that get angry but can still think and say, okay, I'm, I'm upset about this. But what can we do to fix it? Naaman listened to his wife, acknowledged his sin, and in humility started reasoning. Don't let anger be the reason you never get healed. Don't let anger be the reason God can do nothing in your life. Don't let anger be the reason your marriage ends. Don't let anger be the reason your children hate you. Don't let anger be the reason that you never see the hand of God in your life. Don't let anger stop the work of God in your life. Amen, church. It takes humility. And lastly, we'll close with this. Remember, Naaman's problem is pride. But in pride, he listened to his wife. In humility, sorry, he listened to his wife. In humility, he acknowledged, I have a problem. And in humility, He turned back around when he was angry and realized, okay, anger is going to get me nowhere. So I might as well listen and reason and obey God. Verse 14 and 16, Naaman went to that Jordan River. The river was nasty. I'm telling you, I've been there. It is nasty. Naaman looks at this river, and the second he dips himself in that river, he's stepping into a miracle. The miracle that comes from humility. Because remember, he thought that all the other rivers were nicer and better, but the second he stepped in that river, he's telling God, Lord, it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. That's humility at its finest. It's not about my needs, my opinions, my desires, what I think you should have done, Lord. I'm just here in obedience to you. And if you want me to bathe in the ugliest river in Israel, I will do it. I pray in this church, if God will call you to bathe in the lakes of Okeechobee canals, you would do it. But the truth is that God's not going to do it your way. And anger is not going to change your life. And Naaman is going to learn the hard way. That you need to humble yourself and listen. Humble yourself and acknowledge your sin. Humble yourself and stop getting angry every time your expectations are met. And humble yourself and listen to God. Verse 14 So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And the seventh time, his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he went healed. We give god praise from that word heals. healed because i wonder tonight how many of you need to be healed of something physical emotional. the bible doesn't say he kind of looked better he kind of changed he was leper-ish the bible says that when this man humbled himself and listened to god He was better than ever and better than before because he came out like the skin of a child. Not a man that's been in battle. Not a man that had scars. Not a man that had rough skin. He came out as smooth as a baby. Because God says, when I get done with you, I don't just get things done better. I do things in your life that are the best. Do you want to be the best? version of yourself do you want to be the best husband the best wife the best father the best mother i want to be the best pastor i want frankie to be the best worship leader i want you to be the best where god has placed you but it takes humility to realize that everything about you comes from god and we need to humble ourselves and say lord i'm not okay okay And it was hard for Naaman because everyone thinks he just went to the river and got healed. And everyone must have thought, wow, well, Naaman, that's great. But what people don't realize and that Naaman could have told him, listen, this was not easy. I had to sit down with my wife, be embarrassed, and hear the ugly truth of my leprosy. I had to go to my king and acknowledge my leprosy. And when I was angry and enraged because things weren't happening the way I wanted and no one was meeting my expectation, I had to humble myself and listen. When I went down to that river, it was the nastiest water that I've ever seen. Because healing ain't pretty, church. Church. Stop thinking God's going to change you in some magical way. That God is somehow, Pastor David's going to preach a sermon, you're going to come to the altar and you're going to feel something and never be the same again. You're going to leave this church still angry, still sinful, still dirty. But here's what Naaman teaches us. The power of consistency and obedience he was consistent seven times. Why did God do that? Because healing isn't always instant. Change happens sometimes gradually with consistency. Naaman dipped himself seven times. That was humility. Why? Because he had to go down. Church, you ever notice he dipped himself. What does dipping mean? Went down, came up, got back down. He came back up. Why was God teaching him that? Because God was teaching the power of humility. Sometimes as a church, we need to humble ourselves and get low to God. And when we start feeling a little puffy and stand up like we're something special, God says, get back down. Oh, but you know what? I got this promotion. I'm strong. Get back down. And this got all quick. He said, okay, anything? No, no change back down. Okay, what about now? No." And he kept going down, up and down because life is always up and down, up and down. But through all of this, God says, if you stay consistent with obedience and humility, you're gonna see a change like never before. Come on, give God praise. So when he came out, he saw his skin. And the leprosy was gone. That's transformation. Gone. And Naaman says, now I know, now I know that there is no God in all the world except the God of Israel. And then Amon gave his life to the Lord. See how the leprosy turned to his salvation? Because that leprosy got him down on his knees begging for God's help. And I pray today, whatever you're going through is a cry for God to help you. But it takes humility. He says, now I know. There's no other. Naaman still had a little pride in him. He said, Elijah, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy. He, He felt so empowered. And he was so grateful to God. How do I know this? Because after he got healed, in verse 16, he says, hey, let me pay for this. Let me give you a peace offering. Here, take my money. Take everything. I just want to give you everything because when you've truly been saved by God, there's something in you that says, Lord, I want to give it all to you. But Elijah replies, surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. Though so Naam urged him, please, just let me give you Something. But Elijah refused. Why? Because had Elijah would have accepted that gift from Naaman. People could have said the reason you got healed is because you paid for it. But salvation is a free gift from God. Healing is a free gift from God. You do nothing to earn it. Let's all stand to our feet today because I'm wondering tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's a time right now more than ever that you need to humble yourself today. It's going to take great humility right now for you to acknowledge I need help. I need the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you right now, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. It is a free gift from God. You do nothing to earn it. You do nothing to pay for it. It is a free gift that you can receive today. No matter how sick you are, how lost you are, how broken you are, the Lord is ready, like Naaman, to receive you and change your life forever. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but I got a little Naaman in me. I got things I don't talk about, things no one knows about. I don't listen. I'm angry. I have sin that I'm hiding right now. I'm broken. I'm quiet about it. Today is the day for you to come real with God. And humble yourself. I want to pray for you here today. If this is you, you come to this altar today. It takes great humility to walk up here this morning and say, Pastor, I need prayer. Come on. I need prayer. There's no judgment. In humility... We're praying for you right now. If you're here today, you're saying, I need Jesus. You come to this altar right now. If you're saying, Pastor, I'm hiding right now. I have broken this secret sin in my life. You come now. You come as you are. Stop pretending that everything's okay. If you're here today, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. He loves you as you are, but He doesn't want you to stay as you are. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but today is a gift that God wants to give you salvation. So if you're here today or you're listening online, you pray this with me. And just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord. And I ask you to save me today. In humility, I declare I'm a sinner. In need of salvation. and humility, I acknowledge that you, Jesus, are the only way to God the Father. And I place my faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm a believer, but I need change in my life. Would you acknowledge and humble yourself before the Lord now and tell the Lord what it is? He already knows, but acknowledging and confessing means you agree with God. You say what He says. Tell the Lord right now where it is you're hurting. Where it is that you're broken. On the outside, you look big and strong like Darius here. On the outside, you got a beautiful smile like Kevin. On the outside, you're as happy-go-lucky as Odie here. But you never know what people in church are going through. But that's why we exist as a church. Let you know that we fam- we're family and we love you. Amen, church. Father, in Jesus' name, hear our prayers. As we humble ourselves, we ask that you lift us up. Like Naaman, Father, it's so easy to hide the ugly truth of who we are. Father, we pray and acknowledge you as our King, that we need change and we need healing. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride, our arrogance, our anger that turns to rage. And give us a heart of humility, a heart of obedience that is consistent, Give us a breakthrough like you did, name in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning.